You're listening to The Big Show with George Russick and Matty Rose on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Welcome back. Big Show, final hour. Oh, look at that. It's just been made official as well. Uh, the Blue Jays uh, made a signing uh, a couple days ago, but it's made official this morning, uh, signing Isaiah Connor falefa to a uh, two-year deal, $15 million. Perfect man to have us join us. Final show of the year. Jeff Blair from the Blair and Barker on Sportsnet Radio Network. Jeff, thank you so much for taking time out of your morning and joining uh, Peter and myself. How you doing, buddy? Doing well, guys. How are you? Oh, doing just dandy. Can't can't complain here. Uh, yeah, we'll we'll start there. The Jays uh, officially making the Isaiah Connor Falefa <laughs> signing official this morning. Uh, had 115 games last year with the Yankees at 242. Kind of more of the same with what the Jays have. A six-year younger version of Whit Merrifield, I guess, is what they're getting here. And, and Isaiah Connor Falefa can play all over the diamond. Uh, obviously, not uh, the exact needle mover uh, Jays fans expected after you know being in on on Shohei Otani and maybe even on Yamamoto to a lesser extent. But uh, just the overall takeaway on the on the IKF signing. Yeah, I mean, he, he was the guy that they were actually going to be interested in, even if they even if they signed um, Shohei Otani. Mm. Um, they're an organization that uh, puts a lot of value in versatility. You know, I think the question most uh, I think the question most Jays fans would have is, uh, okay, even if you did sign Shohei Otani, and even if you were still intent on bringing Isaiah kind of falafel in. Uh, there's two things. One, uh, on a two-year deal, I, I think that that kind of caught a lot of people off guard. We know that the Miami Marlins were probably the, the other team really interested in him, and they just weren't going to go to two years. So um, I, I don't know. I don't know what that means, frankly. But I think the main thing from uh, the point of view of a lot of, of Blue Jays fans and observers is they kind of have this guy, you know, they have uh, Santiago Espinal, they have Davis Schneider, they have Kevin Biggio. Yeah. Now, now IKF is probably a better bet at third base than any of those guys, but I don't think there's any conceivable world where the blue, I mean, I hope there isn't any conceivable world where the blue Jays are looking at this guy as their everyday third baseman. You know, I tend to take them at their word that he's going to be a utility guy. And I, I guess what that does do is it opens the possibility of, you know, a trade involving uh, in, in, involving a guy like Davis Schneider or Kevin Biggio. They, clearly, it wouldn't be a major deal, but it, you know, they could very well be part of a be part of a, a a much broader picture. But it is, I mean, it's a little confusing because the one thing this organization does have is they do have middle infielders. Mm-hmm. Um, Aurelvis Martinez at AAA, their top infield prospect, who played third base, short, maybe second base. Addison Barger was a second baseman. He's been used in the outfield uh, lately. So it even for an organization that values versatility, it's um, – well, I wouldn't say it's a bit of a head scratcher. It's you know what? It's the kind of move that would probably make sense a week before spring training. Mm. I guess is the way I put it. That's that's probably the best way to put it. If you, if you were going to add him a week before spring training, you'd go, okay, this is great. This guy can fill a multiple. He can fill a variety of roles. You know, guard against injury, et cetera, et cetera. But to kind of go out of your way on a two-year deal and bring him in, I, I think that's even for an organization that doesn't really worry about money anymore. Um, it is a bit of a head scratcher. 
Uh, like if they do deal from a, from this position of strength, like what we we mentioned here with the with the middle infielders, is it just kind of like a a one for one thing, or would like Cavan or, or or Davis Schneider or even like Addison Barger or an Aurelvis Martinez be involved in something bigger to help you know add add another bat uh, at first base, like a DH type bat or somebody helping out in the outfield? Because I think we we've kind of figured like this is the outfield bringing back Kiermaier. You got Varsho in left. You'll have George in right. But is it going to be kind of a bigger move, you'd think? Or is it just kind of like a, a minor, uh, you need a, a middle infielder, we need maybe a reliever? I mean, I've, I've kind of thought all along that the big move for the Blue Jays this year was going to be a trade. You know, even with the Otani stuff, I mean, other than about 20 minutes on that Friday, <laughs> I didn't really think Shohei Otani was going to come to the Blue Jays. I'd been saying all along, I thought he would go to the Dodgers. Um, you know, I thought it, the only other team that might have had a shot at him was the Seattle Mariners because he spends a lot of time in Seattle. His agent uh, was a Seattle Mariners draft pick and has a ton of people I know in the organization. But the Mariners, because of their regional TV TV issues, just uh, you know didn't clearly didn't have the financial resources to pony up. So I, I just assumed all along that Tony was going to go to LA, and and you know. I, it just kind of felt to me going in the off season that the Jays would have to make one major trade because they do need a couple of middle of the order hitters, however you get it. And maybe you sign JD Martinez or Justin Turner as a free agent to fill one of those holes, but you've got to go out, I think, and add a more impactful bat via trade. I, I still think that's the case, you know, Biggio, Davis Schneider on their own, they don't get you that. I'm not entirely certain um, even your top pitching prospect, Ricky Tiedemann, gets you that. I think you probably have to put together some sort of package in order to in order to pull that off. Um, yeah, go, go ahead. Yeah. Oh, all right. Um, just looking at, at the, the Blue Jays, uh, they make the move with Kevin Kiermaier. Uh, Patty kind of mentioned that maybe it looks like that the outfield is set. Does Kiermaier coming in kind of uh, spell the end of the Blue Jays' interest in Cody Bellinger, you think? I, you know, I, I do and I don't. Um, Cody Bellinger, it would be nice to have a left-hand hitting outfielder. Uh, on this team. It would be nice to be able to have Cody Bellinger in in, in center field and Varsho in left and Kiermaier kind of as a, a guy bouncing around. This is a guy, don't forget, who was actually thinking of retiring in mid-July. Uh, Kevin Kiermaier said at one point he thought it might be the end. You know, it might be the last season for him. So I, I'm hoping there isn't a world where the Blue Jays think they're going to get 140 games out of Kiermaier. I think that's a bit of a reach. Um, so, you know, I think Cody Bellinger would still make sense for them, but I, I'm going to give the Blue Jays credit here because, you know, let's be clear in any other free agent market, Cody Bellinger might be the sixth, seventh, eighth best hitter out there, but there are a lot of flaws in his game. You don't have to go too deep in the analytical weeds to find people who look at this guy and go, there are a lot of red flags. And I'll give the Blue Jays credit in that, you know, they view a, t- a player as having a set value, regardless of the market. Right now, well, Cody Bellinger is the best available free agent out there. Going into the offseason, he was probably the second best available free agent position player. But that was only because the market stunk so much. So I think what the Blue Jays' approach was is, look, 
we're interested in you, but we're not going to hold up our entire off-season plans for you to make a decision on whether or not you're coming here. We'll hold up our off-season plans for Shohei Otani, uh, but we're certainly not going to hold up our off-season plans to get a fundamentally flawed player like Cody Bellinger in here. So I think what the Blue Jays just said is, look, um, okay, we'll, we'll get Kevin Kiermeyer in here. You know, that gives us some defensive cover in center field. We've got a little bit of depth in center field. They do like Barger. He could be in the team. And, and I think that's what the Blue Jays, the Blue Jays said. We're just, we're just not going to wait for you to make a decision. Quite frankly, if Cody Bellinger calls them up today and says, okay, guys, I'm ready to sign with the Blue Jays, they'll make it work, right? They'll figure out a way to make that work, whether it's getting rid of George Springer and sucking up half that salary or, or doing something like that. They'll, they'll figure out a way to make that work. I guess because it was kind of a down uh, trotten free agent class after Shohei. And I think we were all kind of like, okay, once Shohei signs, everybody else is going to sign. But we got the defending Cy Young winner still doesn't have a team. J.D. Martinez, obviously, older bat, hasn't had a team. Cody Bellinger still doesn't have a team. Is this like, uh, like okay, it was just Christmas was right after Shohei signed and we're just waiting till the new year? Or is this just kind of like a baseball issue where – Guys don't really care, and they'll they'll wait until January, early February, because because baseball works different like every other sport. You've got a, a month long build in; it, it's slow and and whatnot. Is, is this kind of like just the way baseball is? Yeah, and you, I mean you don't you know you don't get paid until the season starts. There you go. So if you're Blake Snell, um, you know why sign now? I mean, you're not going to make any more money by signing now than if you wait till you know till later in the uh, later in the spring. Um, and, and Scott Boris has taken that approach quite often with his players. I and mean, Scott Boris will wait as long as it takes to get the best contract in the best market. That's just mm-hmm. the way he functions. And I think what, what has happened in baseball, too, and this is why, you know, people always, you know, we, we kind of we turn the, we, we look at the offseason as if we're fantasy baseball fans. Every, you know, people say, well, they should put more deadlines in so it creates more mm-hmm. excitement and it's not about creating excitement. It's about trading and acquiring players that are going to help you win the World Series. It's not about keeping a bunch of you know overweight sports writers happy, uh, you know, for 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 a couple of weeks when there's nothing going on. So I think what's happened in baseball is because analytics have so dominated the game now. Teams really do have a better idea of how much a player is worth. I mean, if you talk to executives, they'll tell you, you know, one war is equal $8.5 million. That's generally how they look at it. So if you've got a two-war player and wins above replacement player and you sign that guy for $14 million, you're getting good value. If you sign him for $28 million, probably not good value. So the game has been able to get you know, to, to, to really get down into the granular parts of evaluating players that I think it's just it's in the off season, it's a lot easier for one of the, you know, 15 khakis in your organization to put up their hand and go, yeah, but you know what? I just looked at this guy and you know, his, his, his contact rate in, in the summer goes down and da, da, da. So it's easy to poke holes in free agents. And I think that kind of, that caution kind of prevents teams from, from maybe being as aggressive as, you know, a lot of us would like them to be. Looking at the the Blue Jays, um, we, we've kind of looked at a, a few of the holes there, and one of them is at third base. I, I think a lot of people had Candelario penciled in as a potential Matt Chapman replacement, but while the Shohei stuff was going on, he kind of snuck away. Um, do, do you think that this could be an offseason where the Jays circle back to Chapman, or, or where do you, or could that be oh, the, the, 
could that be the potential trade uh, piece that the, the Jays go out and try to get to, to fill that third base role? I mean, there are some guys out there. There's Ryan McManacott. Are there guys you could you could trade? I, I just, you know what? You get a sense. It's 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 in hockey. It's in football. It's in every sport. You get a sense every now and then that it's just time for a dude to move on from a team, and it's just time for a team to move on from a player. And and that's really the sense I got with Matt Chapman. Um, he was not happy at the end of the year. He was one of the guys in the clubhouse that was really upset about the pitching decision made in the playoffs. Um, you remember he got into it with John Schneider in the dugout late in the year when he was pinch hit for. Matt Chapman had one good month at the plate and played really good defense. I mean, right now, he looked okay in this lineup, but man, I just I, I just got the sense that it was time for both parties it was time to, for both parties to move on. And um, I think we know enough about Matt Chapman now offensively that I mean, he just, he, he doesn't solve the issues that this team has. If, if anything, he helps create more issues offensively. Um, and, and when he was out, Kevin Biggio played a pretty good third base in replacement of him, assuming he is not in uh, a mega deal for the, the Blue Jays and he is a part of a team. Do you think we, we see maybe a bit more regular playing time for Kevin Biggio this year? I think you'll probably see him used the way he was used last year. That, okay. that was, that was, that's Kevin Biggio. You know, thinking back to when he first came up, the, the comp that a lot of people used was Ben Zobrist, a guy who could play every day, but at a number of different positions. So in other words, a guy you don't mind having in right field, you don't mind having a first base, you're okay with it second base, you're okay with this guy playing, being someplace in your lineup every day, but you just don't want to look at him and go, okay, you're our everyday second baseman, or okay, you're our everyday right fielder. I, I, I think the Blue Jays have seen enough from this guy now to know that how they used him last year is how you need to use him. And if you're, if you're asking him to be your everyday third baseman, you're in a lot of trouble. Um, another big piece of the, the Blue Jays that kind of disappointed a season ago was uh, Alec Manoa. Um, and we, we have seen rumors this year ranging from they could trade him for just anything or he could be part of a package for Juan Soto or he's going to be competing for a starting spot on the, the Blue Jays this year. It's been all over the map w with this particular player. Where do you come down on, on Manoa and his fit in 2024? I mean, look, if, you know, circling back to, to Juan Soto, I, I understand that you know, I was kind of on the bandwagon all along that the Jays should focus on Soto and forget about Otani, uh, just because I thought that ultimately Otani was going to, was going to sign with, uh, with LA. And, you know, quite frankly, I mean, how can I put this, how can I put this delicately? This front office, this front office, has got two more years to do something. And I would not have had an issue bringing Juan Soto in for just one year, trying to take a run at it this year and, and, you know, and, and, and going from there. And if I had to trade Alec, if I had to, basically if I had to trade anybody in this organization, not named Bo or Vladdy to get the deal done, I would have done it. Right. I would have traded Ricky Tiedemann. I would have traded Addison Barger. I would have traded or Elvis Martinez, maybe not all of them, but I mean, I certainly would have to get Juan Soto in here. I wouldn't have balked at, at trading anybody. I, mean, I probably wouldn't have traded any of my starting pitchers because that is, you know, that's kind of the strength of my team right now. 
going forward. So I wouldn't have had a problem putting Alec Manoa in a deal. I wouldn't have a problem putting him in the deal right now. Uh, I don't have a problem not trading him and bringing him in in spring training and telling him he's got to win a spot in this team because I mean, he does. This is the only team in baseball last year that had four starting pitchers with uh, 170 or 180 innings pitched and 170 strikeouts. He right now is not better than Yusei Kikuchi. He's certainly not better than Jose Brios. He's certainly not better than Chris Bassett. He's definitely not better than Kevin Gossman. So if you bring Alec Manoa in and he wins a spot, you're going to be in really good shape. You're going to be in the best shape you've been in a long time in terms of starting pitching. But I'm not waiting for him, right? I'm not making him a key part of my plans. He's just he's he's employee number six right now is what he is. And if I need to move him to get a deal done, I move him to get a deal done in a heartbeat. With the, the whole Shohei thing, um, that there was a lot of Blue Jay fans, obviously just hurt in general with how that, that all played out, but a lot of the reaction after was like, okay, this is good for baseball, Shohei Otani going to the Dodgers. And I think a lot of Blue Jays fans took that as a, well, screw us, I guess, um, with, oh, thank God he's not going to, to Canada. Um, I guess, what was your reaction to kind of the fallout of the, the Shohei Otani stuff and where the, the Blue Jays kind of fit in the pecking order of things? Yeah, I mean, my reaction to Jays fans was grow a pair. <laughs> I, I, seriously. You know, first of all, you know, with the, and look, I, I know all, John Heyman I know, and Ken Rosenthal, I know all those guys. I've been friends with them for years. You know, I've been peers with them. I, I've known them for a long time. I have them on my show. Here, here's the way I look at it. I, any country that would elect Donald Trump president or even think about it, I'm really not that, um, I'm really not that concerned about what their impression is of me. I really don't. I, I, I really don't care about that. I just think we have to move on from it. You know, I, it's, I mean, I don't know what Blue Jays fans, would they rather the team didn't try to sign him? I mean, I guess if you, as I said, I'd rather acquire Soto and, and, and move on. But what if the Jays didn't get Soto? I mean, there's no guarantee that by not going after Otani, they were going to get Soto. So then what? So if you're a Blue Jays fan, would you rather the team didn't go after Shohei Otani? Uh, it doesn't seem to me that that pursuit has necessarily stopped them from doing anything else, right? Other than Juan Soto, Cody Bellinger's still out there. There's still some other trades to be made. So I just, I, I mean, I just don't have time for it. I don't have time for this whole, you know, um, inferiority complex. You know, you've got guys who've committed here. Kevin Gossman's committed here. Um, Chris Bassett's committed here for a long term. You know, Bo Bichette, he was here under control, but I mean, he, you know, he, he signed contracts to guarantee him money through arbitration. Uh, George Springer, I mean, there were a ton of guys. George Springer could have signed for the Mets, his backyard. He's from Connecticut. He signed for the Blue Jays. So I don't think it's a referendum on anything at all to do uh, with Toronto. And with all due respect to people who are saying it's the best thing for baseball, let's be clear. It's not the best thing for baseball. The best thing for baseball in terms of merchandise, in terms of exposure, in terms of ticket sales, is to have Shohei Otani play for the New York Yankees. Because now, with all due respect to my friends in Alberta, now you're in the Eastern time zone. You're going to be on TV all the time. You're going to be the game of the week all the time because you're in, you know, you're, you're in the Eastern time zone. God loves Shohei Otani. He's in L.A. I'm not staying up till 1.30 to see him play the freaking Arizona Diamondbacks. I'm just not. I, 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 I'm not going to do that. So 
you know, the best thing for baseball would have been for him to be a Yankee. And then looking at it that way, my question to Blue Jays fans is, how would you feel about that? How would you feel about Shohei Otani? It'd be great. You'd get to see him 20 times this year. Unfortunately, you'd get to see him as an opponent. Like, it could be worse. How do you think the San Francisco Giants fans feel? They thought they had a chance to sign him, and now they got this guy coming in all year with their arch rival. So, I, you know, the whole good for baseball and the reaction in Toronto for it. Man, just sack up, grow a pair, and move on. That's kind of the way I looked at it. Uh, the one thing I do kind of take away from all of this is I, I feel like there is a little bit of, like, people don't, I think, recognize, like, how well things are actually going here. And I get, like, a couple of playoff losses in a row have been very frustrating. But the Jays were eighth in attendance this year. TV numbers are always really, really strong for this Blue Jays team. And I kind of I kind of want them to be obnoxious about it now. Like, I, I do feel like there's a bit of holdover from the yes. 90s where the, the Jays are paying everyone in Canadian dollars or paying everyone in American dollars paying can, or making Canadian dollars. So we're viewed as a small market team. But I would love for this team to just, like, Sportsnet turns into the Yes Network, basically, during the summer. We're playing old Blue Jays games. Dave Steve is on every broadcast because he is the most underrated player in the history of the sport. And that is something for another day. But I... I just I I don't even know if I have a question here. I just really want this Blue Jays team to be like, hey, you know what? We got some awesome stuff going on here. So pay attention to us. That that's kind of where I come down on this whole thing. Um, I, I guess where yeah. are you on that? Yeah. No. Listen. I, I mean, I, I wrote a little piece about this that's going to be in the website. You know, I can remember 1999, where there was real concern about the long-term future of the Blue Jays. They were owned by Interbrew, a Belgian brewery that had no interest in, in owning a baseball team. I, you know, the Rogers Center was starting to, it wasn't falling apart, but it needed a lot of work. And there was real concern in the commissioner's office about, okay, who the hell is going to, who's going to take over this team? You know, at the time we were dealing with a big currency exchange issue you know, um, Major League Baseball's advanced media hadn't kicked in. The streaming world wasn't. I mean, there was the the whole world of media broadcast revenue was completely different than it is now. And, you know, for a year and a half, I look, I, I saw some signs here I didn't like. And I, I would I wouldn't say that the Jays ever came close to leaving. But I can tell you that people in the commissioner's office were kind of scratching their head and saying, OK, the hell's going to happen here? So, you know, along comes Ted Rogers. He buys the team, uh, slaps his name on the Rogers Center. And, you know, that move instantly gave the Blue Jays stability in the eyes of the commissioner's office. And then, you know, subsequent to that, people have this idea that the history of this team started in 2015. And it really did. Um, this is an organization that gave out long-term contracts to Rios, Wells. It kept Roy Halladay from free agency once, you know. But it also, at times, was in a position where it was operating with a really depressed payroll. You know, I remember Alex Anthopoulos having to go to players in spring training. Actually, the players approached him and said, we'll take we'll defer some of our money to allow you to sign Irvin Santana. This was the year when the Jays really needed pitching. Irvin Santana ended up signing, he ended up signing with the Minnesota Twins for like $14 million. But I mean, that's how bad things were. The GM 
and players had to get together and say, okay, how can we, let's look, let's look under the cushions. Like let's look everywhere. Let's try to find the money to sign this sort of okay pitcher for $14 million. You don't get that anymore. You know, this front office never, never complains about how much money it's paying its players. Um, you know, unlike the J.P. Ricciardi era, you don't get these whispering campaigns about, man, you know, boy, Delgado's really not worth the money he's going to get. I mean, this front office pays money, pays above market to bring players in here, and doesn't say boo about it. And ownership doesn't say boo about it. You know, the, this is the, the most crisis-free era in Blue Jays' history since they were winning World Series in 93, 94. And, and, you know, I say that and I get accused. Well, of course, that's because you get your paycheck from Rogers. But, I mean, I, I would say that even if I wasn't. This, you look at the Rogers Center now, it's full. I mean, ownership sunk half a billion dollars, half a billion dollars into renovating this thing. You know, there was a time when we were wondering, okay, are they going to have to tear it down and build a new ballpark? And if they do that, are they going to get public money? They used their own money to refurbish the Rogers Center. So there's nothing here uh, other than, you know, a couple of really bad decisions in the postseason. Like, off the field, there's nothing here to be concerned about at all. And, and I, think, I think fans and sometimes a lot of us in the media need to realize that, that it's, you know, not so long ago, they, there were some pretty serious concerns about where this team was going. And, um. You know, I mean, you don't hear those anymore. And I'm not, you don't even have to go that far back. B.J. Ryan, when the Jays uh, ended up swallowing the last year of his contract, Paul Beeston had to come down to the Rogers building, go to the board and say, you know, we're getting rid of this guy. It's going to cost you $18 million. And that doesn't happen now. It's just, it's assumed that it's, it's a cost of doing business. And that's, boy, that's a big change. That's a big change over, over 15 to 20 years. Uh, completely on the opposite end. Talk about a, a team with depressed payroll, and they're entering their final year in Oakland. How do you feel? How do you view athletic fans? How they're going to approach that team in their final year at, in the Coliseum and in Oakland? I mean, I you know it, it pains me to say it, but as someone who sort of followed the death throes of the Montreal Expos, yep. there does come a time where a city has to you know what or get off the pot. Yep. And I'm not a I'm not a big believer in using public. Well, I don't like <clears throat> using public money to build ballparks mm-hmm. or arenas. I I, I just don't. Mm-hmm. But um, Oakland's had a lot of opportunity to get this thing straightened out, um, and it it just a little bit like Montreal. There just wasn't the level of support, civic support on the ground to get this thing over the finish line. And I think Rob Manfred, the baseball commissioner, and I think other owners realize this. My only concern for the Oakland Athletics is I don't want them to become the Major League Baseball's version of the Arizona Coyotes, Mm -hmm. where, you know, you're trying to find some uh, 5,000 seat stadium that you're going to you're going to increase attendance to 15,000 and, you know, have players changing in tents and all this. (laughs) Uh, in order to get a season in. I, I don't want them to become kind of that, that team stuck in stuck in, in, in the no-man's land. Um, I'm always a little sus- – anytime anybody mentions baseball in Vegas, I'm always a little suspicious yeah. about whether or not they'll be able to pull it off. 
you know, uh, baseball will now be what? It would be the third sport going into Vegas. Hockey got in ahead of time. Maybe the smartest move Gary Bettman's ever made as commissioner. Hockey got in there ahead of time. The NFL's in there. Now you're kind of the third wheel, Mm -hmm. and you're going into a city with a lot of shift workers, and you're asking people to come out and see your product not 41 times a year, not eight times a year or nine times a year or 10 times a year, but 81 times a year. That concerns me a little bit, maybe more than anything else about this. And and that's why part of me, part of me thinks that when this is all said and done, you may actually see the athletics someplace else. You may see them in a place like Nashville as as part of a a relocation and expansion. Hmm. Yeah, it'll be interesting because it just feels like the MLB, oh, we just got to get to Vegas because it works so well for the NHL and the NFL. But baseball is a different monster, and Vegas, yes, it is. It's, uh, they've got the AAA team there, but obviously like, they, I can't imagine they draw too well and whatnot. But, yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see because um, next year they could be playing in San Francisco, sharing with the Oof. Giants, or they could be in Vegas at the AAA park. Uh, that they uh, they recently renovated, but uh, but thank you so much, Jeff, uh, for all this, uh, for all our chats this year. Uh, all the best in the new year, and uh, we'll do this again come spring training, I'm sure. Yeah, no worry, guys. Thanks for doing this, and again, happy new year to you and uh, all your listeners and all the folks out out in Calgary. Thank you very much. There you go, uh, Jeff Blair, uh, host of uh, Blair and Barker over on the Sportsnet Radio Network, taking some time out of his morning to talk a little bl- baseball, some Blue Jays as they uh, make some moves as we head into. Uh, Kind of me, I don't know. There's still so many names out there that need to be signed. Yeah. I think, you know, maybe they start, you know, end of January. Since we start, pitchers and catchers will be reporting mid-February. You'll start seeing these guys. And that's a, that's a smart move. Why, why, you know, hold out. You know, so you, Blake Snell's still going to make $100 million plus on yeah. this next deal. So, so yeah. Yeah, no, and that that's how baseball's off-seasons have gone for a bit, right? Like, I think Machado and Harper signed basically during free agent or during, um, obviously, free agency, uh, during spring training. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that, that's just how this has gone. But I'm, I'm happy he brought up the point there about how how much better things have gone because, like, I, mm-hmm. I am someone who grew up in a baseball family, and as someone who was born in 89, I kind of remember that, like, Joe Carter's home run is one of my first memories of life. But the teams I grew up on were, like, Raul Mondesi, Orlando Merced, <laughs> Otis Nixon, you know, like I, oh dog, yeah, I, I vividly remember, like, oh man, the Jays came in second on Gil Mesh. That's <laughs> that's a real bummer there. And now we're coming in second on Shohei Otani. Look how we've grown. Yeah, but yeah like I, for for people who, like Jeff said, like a lot of people did hop on after or during 2015 when they go out and get too low in price. Well, um, you're you're ending and, baseball's longest postseason drought at the right. time. Yeah, uh, and then like there, there's the, the excitement. whole generation had never seen what bo- what postseason baseball was, and then yeah, they give you that moment. Yeah, they do right, and it's it, it's a bunch of that right, and so and even could even start of, that summer the, the acquiring of David Price going yeah. to get Tr- Troy Tulowitzki in season, and they were under 500 yeah. when they made those trades. So. Yeah, and it, it just it kind of created a new spark here, but people forget how how little of that there was for a while and how this is like really one of the, the best runs of sustained success, even though it, it's not playoff success. Yeah. Uh one of the, the better runs of play of, of success for this Blue Jays team since like the eighties and nineties. And I think it's tougher now with, with with the expanded playoff. Like back in the day when they only allowed four teams in each league to make yeah. it, it was like this was a big deal to make the postseason and wild card expansion. Now you got eight teams making it from from each league, it, it it makes it easier to get the postseason, but maybe just doesn't have that same you know 
you know, care. Like he's, he, oh, feels the same to me. Feels the same. I, yeah. Like, I guess, as, you know, because as someone who watched exactly. Roy Halladay win 20 games and the Blue Jays win 83 because they're getting their teeth kicked <laughs> in by the Yankees and Red Sox yeah. every year. I would have killed for an, an, an extra wild card team spot there. The 06 season or 07 season. They won 89 games and ended up finishing third. Yeah. And that, that's how it always was. It was the Yankees, um, Yankees, Red Sox, or Yankees, Orioles. And then the Blue Jays were perpetually in third. Yeah. Good, but not great. Yeah. Um, and always kind of sellers at the deadline because like, it never oh, man, made sense. If we were to go the AL Central, yeah. look out. If they would have moved the Jays <laughs> to the Central with uh, instead of the Tigers when the Tampa Bay Rays came in in 97, 98, I would be a significantly happier person today, which is an awful thing to admit about yourself. But I, <laughs> I, I will fully admit if the Blue Jays had moved. With the instead of the the Tigers and got to play the Twins and the Royals a hundred times yeah. a year, I'd feel a whole lot better about life in general. Yeah, yeah, I think anybody would uh, <laughs> for sure. Uh, but there you go. There's Jeff Blair. He joined us down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Podcast Hotline. Uh, one more segment to go in 2023. We'll uh, we'll just we'll chat. We'll just have we'll have a chat. I don't more know what we're talking gonna talking. We're not gonna, radio gonna, show. don't know what we're gonna chat about. We'll figure it out. That's next. Big show <laughs> continues here on Sports Nine Six of the Fan. Closing things down. Got about 15 minutes to go here on the final show of 2023. Well, one more hour to go with GVP and Shan. But, uh, yes, it is. Uh, <laughs> Hardly our, counts. Uh, yeah, whatever. <laughs> what are you guys going to do? Uh, we're going to do the Flames year in review. Oh, okay. Was, the was, good, the bad, and the ugly from 2023 for your Calgary Flames. A lot this of ugly. One, one, of those, one of those will be a lot shorter than the other one. Oh, yeah. God. There's so Which much. one? Yeah, well, the good. Okay, the yeah. dang it. How much good do you have? Uh, we got a little. 57 seconds of a humor <laughs> <laughs> uh, Yeah. Well, That'll be the entire first segment. Yeah. 57 seconds. Yeah, we're just going to we'll replay watch that, that on shift, the, on that bump-up shift after a power play and <laughs> yeah. see what the what happens. We're just going to run that that whole, just the radio broadcast of it. On a loop over yeah. and over and over but that'll be fun. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Uh, Flames, Flyers will be uh, the game on Sunday. Last game of the year for the Calgary Flames as they play on New Year's Eve. Uh, NFL also quit getting down to the end here. Week 17, two mm-hmm. weeks left. 24 teams still. Uh, 23 teams, I guess, now that Cleveland's clinched. I guess Take 20- that, Jets. I don't know if you you would cl- put the team that's clinched into that 24. Yeah, I guess he would. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. 24 still. Yeah, so, so so there's still some uh, still some lot of lot of good football coming up uh, this weekend. Uh, tomorrow night it continues with the Dallas Cowboys and the Detroit Lions. We'll see uh, we'll see how I'm interested to see how Detroit reacts in this one. Just how yeah. how they, they you know they coming off the big win last week against Minnesota, clinching the division. Obviously, Detroit still has a little bit to play for. They still have a, an outside chance at getting a higher seed. But uh, just takeaways, uh, what are you looking forward to this weekend in the NFL? Yeah, the, the Detroit game is going to be interesting. Um, it's not like baseball where they go out and get absolutely bombed and then have to play the next day. Yeah. They, they've had a week to, yeah. to sleep off the hangover. But yeah, like, are you looking ahead or is there still a focus on uh, potentially getting the, the one seed? Obviously, Miami against Baltimore is going to be just an absolute blast. That that game is going to be so much fun. Um, as a Raider fan, I, I do think that like the Raider-Colt game, I, I continue to be confused by Indianapolis mm. uh their defense is um doggy doo-doo so like that that helps the Raiders a bit but like the offense one week will put up 50 and then the next week it's well we put up 10 against the Falcons they're, be- they're better at home they, yeah they've been they've been a better team in, in Indianapolis and obviously that, that's a big one if you yeah. break down the AFC South a little bit like where like Jacksonville a month ago talking one seed maybe two yeah. seed this team is you know potentially you know there's a Super Bowl contender here and 
obviously, I think Trevor Trevor Lawrence's injuries are starting to add up. Guy's a tough guy. He's a tough dude, but uh, there's a lot of injuries to be dealing with. They should, could be getting Cam Robinson back on the left, uh, help the left tackle at least that out this week. Uh, Houston, they, they have Carolina. They should be okay. Yeah, they should be okay. <laughs> uh, Houston Texans. There's another team like C.J. Stroud. They were rolling. Yep. C.J. Stroud gets hurt. And, uh, you know, they did win that one game against Tennessee, but they dropped a tough one against Cleveland. Uh, the AFC South, and I was trying to figure out, you know, next week, what's that Sunday nighter going to be? Mm-hmm. Like, who are you going to, like, take for that Sunday night? Like, what games are going to be relevant? Was it going to be Baltimore and it could be Cincinnati-Cleveland if Cleveland has a chance at a one seed, maybe, or if Cincinnati has a chance to get in the playoffs? Yeah, they, they like to do the, the winner-takes-all sort of a, a game. Like, I wonder yeah. if it is the AFC South game next week. Um, I, totally I think it's Colts, be the, Colts yeah. Texans like that one, depending on how things kind of play out is it, mm. like, like that one's always uh, an interesting discussion to be had. Um, selfishly for this week, I am watching the, the Jacksonville one because I, I had a preseason ticket of them making the playoffs. Uh, and now this was not in any way the way I thought it would be. I thought it'd be because I, Tennessee was going to be a bit better. Uh, but also my and your Tampa Bay Buccaneers. <laughs> I got them over the win total at the start of the year and at the start of the year to win the division. Uh, and it could actually happen if they, they pick up a win over New Orleans this weekend. Yeah, Tampa, so. Tampa Bay has been a, been a fun group here. Four straight wins. Uh, they've, they've really impressed. Like they're playing probably better at this point. The same record, but they're probably playing a little bit more dangerous, a little bit more like they can go into a place and win a, a, maybe a playoff game than even when they had Tom Brady last year. Like Baker yep. Mayfield's going to be making some money this offseason. Yeah. Yeah, he is. And apparently there's interest in Tampa Bay bringing him back. And why wouldn't you? Totally. Well, and like, I know you're not picking high enough to get one of the guys. Exactly. You're not, you're still in a position. You got to, obviously Mike Evans is a free agent. You're paying Chris Godwin. Like this is a team that like the, the NFC South isn't showing it's coming anytime soon. And I think, you know, Baker Mayfield, like I, he got the short, he got the raw end of the deal in Cleveland. Wasn't his problem. Carolina just threw him to the wolves for no apparent reason. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm always for Baker Mayfield trying to make him his way in this league. He's not obviously, he had a lot to build in. He's the first overall pick. Like yeah. you, you come with a lot of, a lot of cachet with that, but it, it's, I am excited to see him, what he's done this year and, and turn around the Tampa Bay Buccaneers season. Yeah. And like for, for Tampa Bay, like you said, like you're, you're not going to be picking high enough and we've seen the, the quarterback issues around the league so far this season. Like he is, he's worked his way into a, top half of the league quarterback right now uh, in part because a lot of guys retired and we didn't fill and we've had a couple just brutal quarterback drafts but he's played really well and that offense like there is like Mike Evans is a beast and mm-hmm. Rashad White um, I, I don't think he's going to set any 40 yard dash records or anything but he's been fine um, and that defense is, is starting to come around a little bit so like that that is it's one of the, the cool stories in the NFL but there's like, it's it just, it's so much fun. I, I think it's been a down year in the NFL, personally, just in terms of quality oh, of quality, play. for sure. It feels Defense like every, is caught up to the offense a little bit. Yeah, it feels like every week we have a, well, that might be the worst game we've ever seen. Like, But Giants-Jets probably tops the, the cake for oh, that yeah, one. Yeah, Giants-Jets um, was fun. Yeah. But, but yeah, now you come down to it, and it's like, yeah, you have, like, basically every game on Sunday has at least some meaning to it, right? Like, there, there isn't... Uh, I get every like, team attached to a game, except yeah, every team attached yeah. to a game has something to play for. Yeah, like the the one I was going to say was Atlanta Chicago, but yeah. Atlanta uh, Atlanta is still alive yeah. in the the, the I, division race, right? Like, um, I guess San Francisco like doesn't have a ton to play for. They they still want the one seed, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's there's that. Like, it just everyone every game has some form of something on the line. 
Yeah, uh, Pittsburgh, Seattle's a uh, sneaky good one. Huge Eight game. And seven. Uh, the Steelers kind of saved their season with a great performance from Mason Rudolph. I wonder how he can transform that into the 12th man yeah. going into that stadium. And Seattle will be rocking uh, on that Sunday. And of course, uh, the, the the Bengals and and uh, and Chiefs is a good one. Like, like they could be the same record. Yeah, Bengals win that game. That's so Chiefs wild. would be nine and seven. Bengals would be nine and seven. So that's a big one. I know Matty Rose will be all over that one. And then the Sunday nighter. Uh, Packers, Vikings, Minnesota, going to Jaron Hall. Right. Was not expecting that. I didn't think it was going to happen. I figured they were going to roll with Mick, Nick Mullins again, but really, Nick Mullins has probably been the reason why they've lost the last two games yeah. uh, against Cincinnati and, uh, and 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 Detroit. Yeah, four interceptions isn't great. It ain't going to cut it. And I think <laughs> Jaron Hall, like if you go back, he had one drive against Atlanta, and he was moved them the, moved right down the field. Mm. And then he got hit, had the concussion, then Josh Dobbs scores like the next play. Um but there, there's another team that's kind of figured it out. Like, 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 like the quarterback, like they've been through Jaron Hall, they've been through Nick Mullins, they've been through Josh Dobbs, yeah, obviously Kirk Cousins. So Minnesota putting uh, their season on the line with Jaron Hall. He is playing the 32nd, well, 30th DVOA defense in the, <laughs> in the league in the in the Green Bay Packers. Who will be without Jair Alexander for his little mess up there he had over the weekend in in Carolina. But that's your that's your Sunday slate. Should be a good one. Two more weeks to go. 24 teams still alive. It is New Year's coming up. Yes. Got five minutes to go. Might as well just go around the room. What do you think your New Year's re- resolution will be? We'll start with Peter. Oh, geez. Um, it can be sports related. It can be life related. Whatever. <laughs> uh, oh, boy. Um, like, obviously, you know, the the the, the obvious ones. Like, the, this one, finally, after 34 years, this will be the year I get in shape. <laughs> um, this will be the, finally, you know, 34 game losing streak. But now we're, we're going to get that one back on track. <laughs> um, obviously, professionally, like I, I'm going into my first full year where I, I don't have like a, a full time employment thing. Uh-huh. Um, as much as people think I am here, I'm not. Um, th- this is all freelance stuff. Um, so just growing that and seeing what I can turn all that into. I don't know if it's as much a resolution. I'm just super excited to see uh, wh- where it all goes for me this mm-hmm. year. So that's kind of. It is just like, you know, become rich and famous is, is more my, my resolution yeah. for uh, for the year and watch as much sports as, as possible. I, think, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. GVP. <laughs> oh, I, don't, I don't know, man. I, maybe a bit more personal style. Maybe just try and stop and eating so much trash. Maybe just <laughs> eat a little bit better. I, Easier I, said than done. I, I try to stay in shape. You know, I go to the gym quite often. Oh, yeah. But uh, I haven't laced up the skates in a long time here. So maybe just get back on the ice. It's hard to with working early mornings and all that. But uh Got to get back skating a little bit more. I don't know. Get a little bit more cardio in there. You want to ref the beer league game? No, oh. I don't. <laughs> I, uh, I I heard the horror stories from Brent Cron, and he said that was a gong show. And I, I want to be very far away from, from the on-ice uh, spot on that, but that game will be a lot of fun coming up in March. Yeah, hopefully we get uh, some nicer teams. Yeah, the, some nicer guys out there. Not on the it's line for, for those fun. guys. It's just fun. <laughs> it's it. just for fun. But, we all uh, go to Wild Rose in the end. It's all the same. Uh, Shan. I think sports related. Stop talking about Jonathan Huberto. I'll, give, <laughs> I'll probably give him like a month. Shan, we got an hour of radio to fill here. What yeah. are we going to do? Yeah. How many of these going to show up on that timeline? We did that yesterday. I think it was a full hour of that conversation. Uh, a real one. I'm going to get my sleep schedule back on track because I've been working this, this morning show on and off. And I'd have some days where I finished at like 11 and some days where I start at 4. And I am a mess. It's not good. But... Uh, <laughs> I think yeah. my sleep schedule. That'd be a good one. Hey, welcome to the team. That's I know. what we do yeah, here good in luck. the mornings. We don't sleep. You'll be joining us in the morning next week uh, as GBP gets a couple days off. Yeah. 
All right, so the, the resolution starts a week yeah. into the new year, then. <laughs> yeah. uh, mine will be, like, similar. To just get better, feeling better. Like, like I got to drink more water. Like, mm. That's straight up. I think we all <laughs> yeah. need to drink more water. Hydrate. Like, it, it's simple. Like, just get yourself a nice water bottle and you just, you know, go to town. Make, you'll, you'll feel so much better. Yes. You will. If you just replace, you know, it's your dark drinks with the clear stuff. Yeah, <laughs> it is. Yeah, yeah, that... You know, dehydration is dangerous, man. Urson went on yeah, the Urson, game yesterday. It on, is man. so annoying how much just doing that fixes stuff. Like you'll have like, oh, I'm not feeling good. Have you had water today? No, I haven't. I got a headache. And then you you drink it. It's like it got like that, and you go for a ten minute walk. And oh wow, look oh. at all of my problems solved. Yeah, this my is shoulder, so, my legs. It is so annoying that that works. I used to drink like five liters of water a day. It was kind of an issue. A lot. Why? I, I How? Keep, I used to carry around a two and a half liter water bottle with me. I'd finish that twice. Do you also then just have to like wear a diaper, or are you just onto the yeah. bathroom like every I, two minutes? I was I was usually the one in the bathroom. Uh, men time. nineteen ages or older need to have thirteen cups or one hundred and four ounces of water daily. Thirteen? What? I always thought it was eight. I thought it was eight glasses of water. Up, I thought that is, was the this general. This is from rule. the Harvard T. H. Chan School oh of goodness. Public Health. Yeah, How much water do, do I need? Yeah, it's funded by big water. Big water. <laughs> women yeah. draws big water. Yeah. yeah. Women, nine cups or 72 ounces. Men, 19 or older, 13 cups, 104 ounces. Man. I am nowhere close. To no. That. No, nope. I'm like 11 I'm... cups away from being right there. I think this is... Uh, Was it four 32? cups away from being four cups away? This is 32 ounces <laughs> yeah. that I have with my water ball. So no. I've done one, two. How do you need four more of these? Jeez. A day? Yeah, I think mine is like two and a half cups, so I'm not going to do that math. Yeah, you got to but... pump those numbers up. Yeah. Uh, that'll do it for us. Uh, big show for 2023. It's been a great run. Uh, thank you all of our guests we've had throughout the year. Uh, all of our stuff is obviously up on po- Spotify, Apple, Google, wherever you get yeah. your podcasts. You can go listen to a show from June if you like. Yeah. I don't know what's on there, but you can go listen to a show in June if Maybe you want. more Jeff Blair bashing. There might the be podcast. some Jeff Blair bashing. <laughs> Might have to go back to the, the go back. I, I suggest you go listen to the play the 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 show we had him. I had him on after the Jays were eliminated Ugh. by the Twins. That's the best Jeff Blair you're gonna get. But yes, everybody involved. Uh, GVP Shan PK for joining me this week. Uh, for Luke Gazdick, for Dennis Bernstein, for Jeff Blair. Uh, all those interviews are up on our uh, on our Spotify, Google, Apple, wherever you get your podcast. Thank you so much. Uh, Wranglers are on our airwaves tonight, seven o'clock. They're taking on the uh, Abbotsford Canucks, wearing their uh, retro throwback jerseys. Like kind of, they got a, they got the horse, the cowboy running along the mountains. It looked great. Yeah, uh, awesome. Yeah, trying to get back in the wind column. That'll be on our airwaves tonight with Sandra and Maddie Rose. Uh, Big Show Hour Four is next. Keep it locked right here, Sportsnet nine sixty. The fan and have a happy sit, new year. Sit, Ubu, sit.